welcome everyone to the Miss Art World podcast. I'm Catherine. Um, I'm joined with me uh, with Samuel Cooksey with Samuel Cooksey Project. Hi, Samuel. Uh, howdy, everybody. And we have a special guest today. We have Chuck Hong. How are you? Alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> So I see that you're, uh, this is a podcast, but you're wearing one of your humbles, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, this is what connected you and me in the first place anyways. Mm -hmm. so. That's how we got connected. So you walked in the LA art show performance that we had and you talked mm -hmm. about your humbles. Can you, uh, it's one thing I want to talk about. I also want to talk about your conceptual artwork, um, but can you talk a little bit about your humbles? Yeah, um, funny story. I was just making teddy bears. And then one of my friends who's a fashion designer had opportunity to um, be in a fashion show as a designer. And she told me, hey, I'm inspired by your teddy bears, but I'm going to make humble. Would you be down to let me borrow some of your bears so I can like start making collection out of it? So I'm like, okay, sounds perfect. Like I liked her as a human being, so why not? And and two weeks before the show, she kind of casually connected with me saying like, hey, by the way, what are you going to wear? I'm like, what am I going to wear what? And she said, well, you're walking down in the catwalk with me as a co-designer and collaborator. I'm like, well, this is very new. You never told me. And she's like, haha. So what are you going to wear? <laughs> <laughs> that was the point I decided like, you know what? At the moment, I made handbook for the kids, like for my, again, godchildren who are twins. So I thought, you know what? I can just blow up, you know, like the pattern to fit adult size. Let me go ahead and fix it and make it for myself. So that was the first time I made handbook for myself. And then while I was at the, well, what's that? Local fabric store, someone asked me, oh, so what's your project? And Dean was his name and she asked me like oh what are you making I told him well I'm making humble and he was super excited oh I know what it is and I'm like wait you're not Korean how do you know that <laughs> and he told me he's following someone on um, Twitter named Jenny she was she's an illustrator like illustrator and you know like she always like wears humble like cutesy little humbugs and show it around so I connected with her through Twitter saying, hey, you and I will be in the same convention center. You want to meet up? So when I showed up, she said, oh my God, it's really good quality that you made. I would like to buy one from you. So, you know, then my brain started going and saying, you know what? I can actually start making this for other people too and get paid for it as well. So, hey. <laughs> That, that's the whole saga of, I guess, <laughs> making humble. Yeah, as a part What's of- What's your favorite design? Cause you have a, on your website, you have a bunch of different types that people yes. can buy. So yes. on website, um, which ones would you consider your favorite design so far? Baseball. Okay, so, the baseball one. Yeah, cause that, no one done it before. Like I've seen some plaid ones before and it's kind of like easy to just, you know, swap the fabric and color day and tell, call it modern. But for me to actually come up with something that's very like um, Americana, but at the same time, traditional Korean, 
so the beautiful merge of those two to me felt exactly like how second generations or even third generation or mixed race of Korean people would feel in this country. Like you cannot hide the visage, but at the same time, like, you know, like you still feel closer to your root. And a lot of people in their now millennials, like in their twenties and thirties who start making money for themselves would like to go back to their roots and see how it feels on their skin. So it's about like, owning your both heritage and at the same time wearing it as a fashion statement as well so i don't know i i still feel very kin to that particular design and i don't know i it's it's just you know like it's still different designs coming out of my head i recently made one for the kids with the hoodie with like their ears and the like what's that the cape one with the bunny ears for the twins I'm like, well, you know what? The bear one I really like, so I'm gonna make it for myself. Like, I, I'm gonna w- make like five of them. So every day I will wear <laughs> certain colors for my gallery job. So there you go. That's my future plan. But shh, don't tell people yet. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, how is your gallery job? So Sam, I don't know if you know this, but Chuck just got hired as the what's your title um gallery specialist gallery specialist for tag gallery which um is a co-op of artists and uh correct me check if i'm not explaining this right but it's um you have to be approved as an artist member and then the artists run the gallery space so like they're the art board um, and it gives artists an opportunity to kind of control how a gallery is run. So each artist mm-hmm. gets their own um, exhibit every year. Mm-hmm. And they're, instead of having to talk to a gallery manager or director and uh, try and apply for a space, they're running it so they can mm-hmm. really make their own decisions, with a, which I think is nice for an artist. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I worked in a gallery as a curator before and worked with the gallery as an artist before. And it's really like curator tends to have voices of certain things. Like as an artist running the you know gallery, I was trying to be like open about different decisions, but other galleries that I worked with, they had strong opinion of what will sell. So they would suggest me like, hey, how about starting this series? Like I saw your sketch, this is really cool. You should build like, build upon it but at the same time I was like well I was already doing this series like how do you think about this so it was constant negotiations of what will sell because you know they have to make money too I understand but as an artist it's also a moment that you realize like well my end goal was be represented by gallery but this was probably like not the most like optimal of you know like representing my art as an artist so some galleries are pretty open, but tag gallery in like very specifically are giving 100% freedom to artists, which is quite rare. And they are the ones who actually had stake on it. So it's beautiful, like beautifully cooperative and I'm really loving it. Yeah. Are you, a, are you a member too or just? No, I'm, I'm helping the gallery run and also someone needs to be there to represent them so I'm kind of 
every exhibition I'm studying their art and then ready to be answering some questions if there is a visitors. By the way, we are still open, but- That's what I was are, gonna ask how yeah, you guys are- Yeah, we are still following the retail kind of like law regulation. So like, uh, I think for a while we only took like up to seven people in the gallery. And I think it's a little more now, a little less now, like 12 maximum, I think is the legal limit for that space particularly. So we've been doing that and it's been fine. <laughs> at one time, right? You mm -hmm. can have 12 people at one time in yes. this space. Yes. And it's a huge space. So that's uh, not a lot of people for that big of a space. I know, I know. But you know what? I would rather have, you know, pandemic free space than like risking everyone, like including artists and my coworkers life to this interesting and fascinating resurgence of global pandemic what 100 years later mm -hmm. since the spanish flu so <laughs> hey roaring 20s is here yep. <laughs> so with um your art do you feel like uh working with textiles is more of your favorite medium to work with or do you have another one that you work a lot with um i'm typical la artist so i have like the best interest in a lot of different things, but shallow, shallow knowledge. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm surprised you admit that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised that you admit that. I, I'm like you where I like dabble in all kinds of things, but um, mm. I'm an expert in everything. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I need help. Like I just, entered um online video uh comp like was at a festival uh hosted by my one uh voice love and jason so those are uh, my artist colleagues and when i first submit the video i'm like oh this is such a cool imagery like i'm gonna talk about some story and then just like you know put them together and give it to them they had to like <laughs> tell me like Tell me if you need more help <laughs> in a very sincere, good way. And they actually helped me out. So I know of little, like certain things here and there, like to me, um, what I'm really like being an expertise is uh, printmaking, like the block print. So something, well, you guys can't see it, but to, you know, both of you guys, um, Catherine and Sam, um, in the monitor, there's this little thing. It's a baby infant skull with um, little horn growing out of it. That's my print. So I like got little you know, linoleum block, carve it first, print one, and then carve another layer, print with different colors. So that's my expertise. But okay. other than that, that I do, even the fabric, like clothes making, maybe I'm good with teddy bear making because I, I've been doing it since I was what fifteen, so I would say you had to be good at teddy bear making yeah, if you've been doing that long. Like roughly twenty years under my belt. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just lie to people. Twenty years under my belt, so <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Why teddy bears? What what's the uh, what like is the appeal for you? Um, 
first of all. I never had one as a kid. For some reason, to my parents, it was too feminine. And I, was, I grew up in Korea. I was born in U.S., but then uh, my entire family moved back to Korea when I was two. So, well, my, since June, my oldest sister were the firstborn of entire like family unit. She got a lot of gifts and also my parents kind of married early. So when they moved to U.S. for my dad's schooling, um, she was already born. And within his friend group, like my dad was the only one with the kid. So whenever someone visits, like some friends of his visited, um, June would have all this gift, including stuffed animals. So we brought all that back, all of them. I'm not even joking, all of them back to Korea. And then, you know, like none of them were touchable. And I got little puppy dog and my sister Sally got, other sister Sally got teddy bear. And I wanted teddy bear. And they were like, you have a dog. You don't get to have teddy bears. So whatever, it just, you know, kind of was back back of my mind for a while and then when I turned 15 I think um, in as a part of a regular kind of like education I guess system you have to learn home ec class in I guess public school system in Korea so part of that was also showing my three good friends um, who were all girls actually noticed me making things and they quietly told me, hey, we noticed you're actually sewing better than us. And there's a hobbyist place that's near our school that teaches you how to make teddy bears. Here's the deal. We'll pay for your class, but can you just give us the teddy bears that you would make? <laughs> it was a deal of the century. What, what am I going to say about it? It's, it? You know, I never thought I would make teddy bears after that. I liked it. it. was such a like quiet, serene moments. You just sit by yourself, you and the fabric. And that was at the moment that was by the hand. So little pricks here, but it's just a smaller scale of safer, like representation of life that I was going through. Like you have plan or parenting, actually. Like you have plans for this little thing, little pattern, and you start making it. You struggle, you get hurt but you still finish it. And at the moment when it's done, you have no sayings of what it's gonna turn to be because you have expectations. It will still become whatever it was from the get-go. So it's, it's just a weird realization and correlation that I'm finding out still nowadays about making teddy bears. So I can say like, yes, like I'm such an expert in making teddy bears, but it's, it's really just mind-boggling it's amazing mm -hmm. so you started um when did you start making clothes for american girl dolls oh that was actually um last year so it started okay. last year while i was doing um artist in residency for city of santa monica so right at the beach there's a building called camera obscura and it's legit just a big humongous camera obscura on the second floor so if you go up there there's little like you know um for for some of us who doesn't really know what the camera obscura is it's just a pinhole camera so precursor of like the whole camera so you have little hole in the dark box and it's usually just like thing that people carry around and make you know um kind of like 
prints out of it, whatever, like literally as a camera. But this one entire building, at least like the top part was working as camera obscura. And the downstairs there are two studios that what that's given to artists to actually work on their projects. So I was supposed to start at, um, I think March or like end of the March, but that was a time like pandemic just happened. So it was delayed till like May or so. And then um, we finally get okay, like one person at a time in the building. And my original plan was to work with my colleague Kayla and give her like nine set of different hanbok and then like have little kind of like weird fashion show fashion video thing as a like end result but couldn't do it I didn't want to meet up anyone and risking like anyone with you know corona because I'm at the beach I still see people like not wearing masks and just casually walking around like you know, like ozone in the salt, like salty air will cure me. And like, honey, no, like not, let's not do that. But, you know, like because of that, I was just kind of sitting in the studio still trying to think of, you know, what I can do, what am I going to make? And it started down on me. It's just, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to make series of um, funeral attire. <laughs> and what not to, you know, be even more joyous to use American Girl doll. <laughs> it's, a, you know, so it's just a smaller scale, like representation of this little moment of panic and somehow presented as something beautiful, something wearable, but at the same time honoring the tradition. Because, you know, and also I wanted to talk about how Hanbok is not a dead costume from the as a period piece, but it is evolving. And, you know, it, it's just kind of interesting. And I notice and more and more K-pop people start wearing Hanbok, which I feel glad. I'm like, oh my God, now like the people will not stop calling it like Korean kimono and they'll finally start calling it Hanbok. But at the same time, you know, like I'm like, I was there when that started, you know. <laughs> little pat on my Friends shoulder better. <laughs> do you um did you go into doing American Girl doll um clothing to try to kind of do what you were talking about with the way you do um the Humboldt where it's you take something that's American and then try to bring over like traditional values of Korea I think so uh, it or just, am I putting words into your mouth with the... American no, not girl. at all. I mean, the name of the doll suggests it all. It's American Girl. Mm -hmm. And honestly, um, majority of my customer base are American girls. They might be like second gen or they moved here when they were like five, six, nine. Or they are mixed, like of the mixed um, hair, like heritage like like the mother was Korean but never really brought up or dad was Korean but never really like you know um, introduced to traditional culture so I'm giving them clothes and it is what it is and also sorry to say that but a lot of doll clothes that is humble um like available in any of the websites are not cute I'm <laughs> sorry 
like I've I've seen some. I did my research. I'm like, you know what? Mm -mm. If my I don't know, like if I ever have kids and my kid wants to play with some like doll with Hamburg, I'm not gonna give them some ugly Hamburg for the doll. Like it's not aesthetic. Like ask your dad. Like I can make it for you. So you know. <laughs> Do you say that um, the mixing of cultures uh, mm -hmm. is something that you use throughout your other works? Because I'm oh, yeah. thinking of the, the series of, I think, photographs, and maybe you did a video of it, but you're wearing the mask with the horns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that something similar where you're blending cultures in your history? Definitely. Like, yes, dear, the road deer is very sac sacred animal in Korea. So the whole performance that I'm preparing is actually based on the story of, I'm not even sure if it's my grandpa's story or I read it somewhere and then like I remember it as my grandpa's story. But the story goes, my grandpa's platoon um, during the Korean War, it's a bunch of young hungry men and they just hunt down some roe deer and ate it. But my grandpa was like, you know what? That's actually known to be sacred animal. I'm not gonna touch it. Everyone else in platoon was wiped and my grandpa was sole survivor. So that story stuck with me. And then, you know, to me, the, the mask dance called Taichum is also very like the blue color form of art, like traditional art in Korea. But then the way that I'm presenting it is almost like, you know, like even the, deer skull in that costume or mask is actually elk <laughs> it's not even road deer so <laughs> and it's just my entire life like even growing up in korea like america was in the back of my head because that was a country that i was born and my grandpa wanted to be in this country very much but he even got into got accepted to harvard but at the moment my dad was born and well yeah my grandma actually had good job and they met in like u.s army base and my grandma was a typist and my grandpa was um, um he was a translator mm -hmm. but um he couldn't just leave my grandma and my dad and come to us to finish his education so that's why he decided to like send my dad off, even though my dad was already married and have had kids like to US to continue with the legacy that he wanted to have. So those little things, something Korean, but always have like US in the back of my mind and the mixing of both. I mean, I also had, I don't know what happened to that box, but I had like the curio box that was from my grandpa and, it had the tuna, like canned tuna that he caught in Pacific Ocean and the little bile with the like rattle from the rattlesnake, like cowboy hat. <laughs> so like, things he associated with America? Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. That he actually got, you know, while he was traveling in the US. So it's, you know, I, it just kind of is, has always been part of my life, like mixing up both and, you know, kind of making it very specific to me. 
but to realize um, it more like, I guess, more specific it is, more universal it gets. So that was one of my professor, Pierre Picot, actually told me. And I, it is that. I think I'm making very like specific niche points, but more and more people actually step up to me and say like, you know what? It's like, it's just like what my grandma told me. Like when I was younger, like she would like tell me about like her little, you know, stories. And then it became part of my life, even though I'm, I've been living in US my entire life, it is still in the back of my head. So I guess reverse for me. And now I'm back to the place that I was born. Uh, did you grow up Catholic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The reason I ask is because in a lot of your prints, you have the traditional like halo. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you see in like Catholic mm-hmm. churches that yeah. are around. Like I'm uh, right now I'm looking at the one with uh, there's a skeleton in the back. And then there's two men that are in like business attire, mm-hmm. white shirt, the, the ties. Yeah. And then there's two teddy bears that are hung or hanging yes yeah it's really interesting um about 51 percent of south koreans with religion are ident- identifying themselves as christians mm-hmm. about 48 percent um possibly uh like the buddhist and within those two percent remaining or one percent remaining um there's like the traditional, like the shamanism that people follow. And also part of that is Catholic. So <laughs> I'm a triple threat in like all the countries. I'm Catholic, Asian, and I'm queer. So yay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, like first thing that you see you when you walked in like to church is, well, someone who's on the cross. So Catholics are not shy about image imagery of like death and hence that became part of my almost like language, my symbolism. But the fun thing also is I like my later practice in block prints, I start using a lot of like the traditional Buddhist kind of temple patterns as well. So um, like, and also the flower, like floral motif and all that. It's also like culturally very specific. Like for example, um, peony flowers are meaning like the good fortune, like prosperous, like all those symbols. And I'm using it with, you know, something dead like this. And the kid's face with horn right here, um, that's roughly based on Kirimuha, which is like a, it rooted from Hindu, like Hindu culture. So that's like a, one of the avatar of Shiva, like the avatar of anger. And then that became like the protector of temples. And that go, went straight to Buddhism. So some of the Korean, like some of the Korean Buddhist temples will actually have like some dragon face on it with the like antlers. Mm-hmm. So that's where that is, you know, from but it still looked like day of the dead at the same time so <laughs> multiculturalism not by choice but race to it do you have any so you have a... oh go katie go ahead go ahead samuel you have a ton of teddy bears in your prints um is it because you were making teddy bears at the time 
or is there special some more symbolism on your end with the teddy bear or is okay okay i'm i'm just gonna share with you guys only so don't tell everyone else just kidding (laughs) (laughs) when you see teddy bear in my print that is my ego that is my true self when you see naked body in my prints those are my ids so my very like animal like state if you see skeleton in my prints that is super ego so one very particular work that i did was um what was the title of it so there's a one print with naked body ripping an arm with the mouth of the teddy bear with like skeleton in the back so that is literally constant like existence of me in a (laughs) in a nutshell so super ego like overlooking like uh you should not do that shit and then you know like it is attacking ego like i'm gonna do what i want so you know that that's what it is i mean it means a little different when it's three-dimensional but at least like three-dimensional teddy bears are usually attached to certain memories or certain people. So it is like, or like very specific memory or the moment of experience. So it is kind of like, now you have body. There you go. That's, you know, like my memory, my understanding of some human being. Now you have body, live in it. That's how I deal with three-dimensional, like actual plush teddy bears. So you you end up murdering a lot of the teddy bears in your prints I do you think it comes from <laughs> um a symbolism of like the youthful like kind of like naive child dying to the other two parts that you were t- saying like the naked body and like the ego that your childhood um, just being sacrificed so these two can have more predominant power I mean honestly um at the moment I was going through really hard time with accepting uh, my queerness like I was in denial like I did not like who I am so I decided to be somewhat docile not able to talk back still lovable in shape teddy bear so that's how I see myself as teddy bears in those days and then that's why it became fat and I, I grew up fast in a way as a defense mechanism. So, you know, it, it always felt like I missed a good chunk of the moment that I could live as a child. So it was just uh, looking back and also at the moment, like crazy amount of self-doubt, self-hatred even. So that's was reflected in the days of like making those specific prints and I you know like no one no one is 100% sure with who they are and what they are so you will still see me like playing with the idea of like the teddy bear as an image like in conjunction of like or in a state of being like in a way kind of demolished but I'm a little better now I'm like look at me watch me talk about oh me being queer or like me being gay like it's i'm fine now so thank goodness 
there was some kind of art that I can talk about the struggles without being too obvious. So that's that's also a Korean part of me. Like, you don't talk about your problems to the face. You kind of dance around the bush and then hope someone will, you know, understand or realize what's going on. <laughs> was it um, your art? Was it being in LA? Was it your family that kind of helped you uh be more comfortable with being queer you know what it's my chosen family <laughs> the one that i live with right now mm-hmm. so it you know like the sense of normalcy and uh, it's 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 just fascinating and so there's something so beautiful about being who you are and then be completely comfortable with it and you know like they met when one was 18, the other one was 20. They've been together ever since. Now they're in their 40s. So 20-something years like under their belt as a couple. And now they're raising children together. Like who would have thought like me growing up in Korea and like realizing, oh shit, I'm gay. I would never see that day coming. Like, yeah, it still is a struggle in Korea, but and even in anywhere else, like when I moved to US, people still drop things like words like, again, if you want to beep it out, beep it out, like <laughs> say faggot, gay, like, you know, and it, it just, there's something truly beautiful about, you know, this nurturing couple who took me as their project slash their like illegitimate son (laughs) and now I'm being grandma slash their kids like god father you know but it's so you know watch them grow with them and I finally feel like you know what yeah that's who I am so also give myself some consideration like am I like more gay or am I more like genderqueer because I do like something like cutesy and you know like rather flamboyant but I guess like you know what I think I'm gay you know so it even gave me more option to think about who I am rather than just like you know choosing just one to become who I am so not only I'm comfortable with being gay like I actually thought about like who am I in deeper thoughts as well because they were so nurturing and understanding and kind of you know, like, help me be super, super comfortable about who I am. So, <gasps> yay! <laughs> yeah, that's it's really important. Um, yeah, and it's nice to see that journey through your artwork, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and see and have that kind of outlet to explore and struggle. Like that's what I love art mm-hmm. to be able to do that to like have you be able to express and allow your feelings into this thing yes definitely (laughs) what is your pieces because you have a whole set of your prints that i am not even going to try attempt the word because it uh, i don't even know if i could say it correctly but it's all the flies on different print like oh yes because you have a whole set and you call it something it's like i am going to attempt it oh um, it's it's like c not c um I think it's V A V. So it's you know it's it's a it started from the fascination of 
again, death. Um, those are blue bottle flies. Uh, they are the typically the first one to show up when there's a carcass. So the fastest showed up in record, like as like scientific journal like recorded was seven seconds. Something died seven seconds later. Hello, laid egg. So <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful part of um, nature that actually regenerates from something that is dead, gone, demolished, and then something new comes out of it. And that's part of life. And, you know, wallpaper in that series as a symbolism of body or the thing that is being done or being kind of like pushed away and new life form will be, you know, starting on top of it that is symbolized with flies this specific blue bottle flies so yeah i so I adore the, that uh, what they're sitting on mm -hmm. it kind of looks like it's a one of the patterns um or like a flower what mm -hmm. what kind of where'd you get the idea for the pattern that yeah. they're all sitting on so that's the wallpaper and let me see and that's roughly based with like a skull and flower. So something like this. And then I simplify like the face of it and then turned it into like little pattern, just two, three color pattern, and then turned it into a wallpaper. So design itself is inspired by like a what's that, uh, Victorian wallpapers. Mm -hmm. So something old, something Western, but somehow those were all the rage while I was growing up in Korea. <laughs> like weirdly specific, like stylized floral pattern wallpaper with like reduced color. I still remember the wallpaper that I had at my apartment, like uh, when I was like between six to 12 was this cream color, like little off white, um, wallpaper but embossed with those like floral weird pattern I'm like <laughs> interesting choice like I can't tell if it's a thing until I actually touch it but that's what it exactly almost exactly looked like as those series like in the background but I just took skull and flowers and then kind of arrange it with the seed pods and like open blossoms and turn it into little like wallpaper <laughs> yeah i can actually see when you mentioned the skull and you literally showed the skull and the flower you mm. can see it like yeah. once you pointed out you can really see that there is a skull <laughs> yes i i love like putting some weird details in the back and you know kind of quietly wait until someone notices it that's a joy of what I'm I know it sounds so weird, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be all cryptic about this. Like, I'm going to put some dead in the middle of, like, pretty flower. <laughs> I did, like, whole paintings of, like, a field of poppies. And it's, and also there's, like, upside down three black, like, silhouette of teddy bears. But within that painting, like, you see little pockets of browns and grays. And you're kind of like, oh, that's crazy, you know background thing but if you closely look into it it's actually teeth like the nose bone mm. or my favorite part of the skull called sphenoid because it looks like butterflies i'm like oh there's butterfly inside of all of our faces you know 
<laughs> Where is that in the skull? Um, it's actually, your skull is not just one thing, yeah? So like it's uh, made out of, I forgot how many bones, but it's part of the nose bone. So like when you take this part off and then like behind it, I think, uh, including your nose palate, is this butterfly looking bone called sphenoid. Hmm. I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in like those two. You can clearly see that's my shelf. So there's like the body, like science. And then there's like, oh, look at it, dead bug. So. <laughs> no, that's, it's interesting how in different areas you're pulling into mm -hmm. your artwork to make and up one thing yeah, and my life was all that my parents really thought I was going to become um botanist like that was my first dream I mean I'm still raising poppies and like crossbreed them to have specific look and, and property of it but yeah I mean one of the great stories my dad told me about America was the Cornell University um late 1800s early 1900s they visited all over the world collect a lot of like the seeds, like the crop seeds. So around that time, Korea had like two, 300 different types of bean that was growing. And one by one, it's just too hard to grow all of them. So they just disappeared. But voila, Cornell University, their bomb, like horticulture department has the whole entirety of those things, supposedly. And they are keeping it alive by like, you know, plant them every few years and then like harvest the seeds. So integrity of like the whole, like, I guess, agriculture industry from hundred years ago is still alive in the form of research in Cornell. So my goal as a child was like, I'm going back to US. It will be easier for me since I have citizenship and I'm going to get into Cornell, like, and then their agriculture department and then you know, grab those seeds back to Korea and then reintroduce them. Like, so science was always like part of my interest. And another funny story, because I really liked clearly like bones and muscle structures and all that. Um, while I was going to Los Angeles City College, I took um, anatomy class and my mom, was excited she's like oh my god finally my son is going to be a doctor <laughs> i'm like ha, ha, ha i just like dead things i'm sorry <laughs> you're poor mom <laughs> i know and like next semester i took like what was a philosophy class because it was like one of the classes that i have to take to graduate and she's like oh my god he's gonna major in philosophy and then go to the law school. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> mommy, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Samuel, did you have another? No, I didn't. I okay. was, um, <laughs> the, the, I was gonna ask a question about the um, uh, Instagram. Oh. So, well, we should share your Instagram too yes. for people so they can find you. Your Instagram, your website, mm -hmm. wherever mm -hmm. people can find your work and see what yeah, you're doing. Of course, of course. Um, my Instagram, there's two. So one is C-H-O-H-N-G. So C-Hong. That's 
um, for my personal artist one, and there's one for teddy bear and clothing. That's Noxon um, So K N O X O N dot D A H L. I know it's a little complicated, and Noxon phonetically means um, rusted moon in Korean, and that was my pen name while I when I wanted to become a writer. By the way, I'm published in Korea. Oh, very cool. <laughs> really? but, no, it, no, but it's like small publication. But hey, that was a name that I used. So um, it became part of the, now like Nox and Da, when you see it in paper, it looks like really painfully hip name. But phonetically in Korean, it's just Rusted Moon. Okay. But those two are my Instagram and follow me, I'll follow you back. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get published for? Oh, um short novels like okay sappy sappy short novel like there was a um i guess group called uh one page novels and there's one issue that i got into and it was about pure like arapaima that amazonian fish who by the way which is the only species of fish that's known to kill themselves if they're chased they're huge fish too it's like four, six, like seven feet long fish. But then when they are chased by something, they would rather like bump their head on the bottom of the like river bed and then kill themselves. So it's about those fish, like pairs of fish, one died off and the other one killed itself. That was the end of the story. Like kind of weird love story, (laughs) but then it was one page and people are like, what the fuck is going on? Let's like, let's get like, give him a chance. So I, that one was, published and the next one that I got was like one of the theme story about um like psychic kind of supernatural human like superhuman abilities and that was story about two friend friends in quotes and one's ability was to literally open up the chest cavity and there's like you can see the bones that was that was his superpower but his friend's superpower he could read this person who can open up the body like his thoughts on top of the rib cage bones so it was like weird like they just work for themselves as a superhuman like super not heroes just as superhumans so those two are the stories that was kind of published and i was like yay weird brain function still works as a story yay but anyways (laughs) I know I talk a lot, but thank you so much for um, your patience. <laughs> no, that's great. That's you're perfect for a podcast because it's all about talking. So it's all about talking. Do you have um, if they want to follow your art? Because we um, do they go to the website? Is that the easiest way to follow all your art that you do? Or is I, there another way to follow you? Or I think so. I mean, I recently updated it and new i just start taking like the fashion photography that ones are not up in the website yet but they're partially in instagram but instagram should have the link to everything else too but but my website is www.chuckhohng.com so great you can find me there 
Last plug I'm going to force you to make is your Etsy because obviously you're tr trying to make money. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, fingers crossed. Lord knows I need those. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. So <laughs> it's still like um, Etsy.com uh, slash shop slash Noxon dot dot. So it's like I'm trying to have the Noxon dot as a kind of umbrella term for something like the shop, something purchasable. So that should include like a humble, by the way, it's bespoke. So it will fit you perfectly. You just have to do little legwork, like, you know, um, measuring your own body, but it will fit, I guarantee you. So it's made to order, so you can order it there. And also in my Etsy site, um, you can also support me by buying my poppy seeds. I know it's really random, but I'm finally back to gardening and crossbreeding all this like weird poppies and yeah be my guest and also teddy bears will be there too so hey <laughs> well, how come you don't sell the big teddy bears that look like a backpack oh that's actually collaborations um with my friend uh linda who actually kind of in inspired me to make humbug um her side is, I think, um, B2B fashion. I may have to give it, give you guys information into it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whenever she sells it, I'm getting a chunk of it. So if you guys want some fancy, fashionable teddy bear backpack that is somewhat functional, hey, at least you can put your wallet in it. So yeah, hit us up. I like up the and... somewhat functional aspect of it. No, like all the other things that I make are art for being sake of art. Like humble, yes, like you can wear it, but teddy bears, like it's cute. You can hold on to it, but I give you um, like the certificate of authenticity. And I heard people get kind of like, now it's too legitimate. It has like the certificate. Should I play with it? I'm like, dude, it's yours. Do whatever you want with it. But they still get intimidated by that. The fact that I'm trying to make it, you know, like legitimate art object. So, you know, at least backpack. It You can wear it. And there, there are a series of photos in my personal Instagram that I'm like wearing really weird, like Catholic schoolboy slash humble like photo with the teddy bears on it, that backpack on it. So you can kind of wear it around and have fun and yeah it's I'm super glad she can like Linda can think in a more <laughs> practical way than I can so well great thank you so much uh for being on our podcast you're the first one for 2021 so oh. it's exciting mm -hmm. yes um so <laughs> everyone make sure that you are checking out our Instagram Miss art world podcast and we'll have all of chuck's information you know his etsy accounts uh we'll post some of his artwork so you can see it we're also up on youtube so you can go to miss art world youtube channel and watch us all talk to each other which is always interesting um over zoom um and thank you everyone thank you chuck thank you so much this was amazing i'm so excited and always good to connect back to you, so. <laughs>